Welcome to KC Corner, episode 125. It's just us two knuckleheads today. The two knuckleheads. We're back at it, Brooksy. Yeah. We, 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 we had to follow it up with just us two with Richard Pratt last week, so we're going to be recapping some of the culture war topics so far. It's interesting because, you know, one of the guests we hope we have today actually says, I don't want to follow Richard Pratt, you know, so I, he will go nameless. But, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, know, we'll, we'll follow Richard Pratt, no problem. Exactly. We can do that. We're not scared. Not at all, you know. So, hey, uh, 125 makes me think of big numbers. Aaron Judge. Yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. He's a stud. He's he is a stud. a stud. 60 last night, right? 60. And the top of the ninth, they they were down, I think it was uh, 8 to 4 or something like that, and they wound up walking off with a grand slam home run <laughs> or something like that. So uh, it's, it's incredible. New York so. sports looking good. Your Billies looked great oh Monday night. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. B-U-F-F-A-L-L-B-I-L-L-S. And, and awesome. one more sports big number, Albert Pujols chasing 700. Oh, man, I hope he gets it. What a yeah. great guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What a great guy. What a great time of year. Oh, it September is leading into October. We got playoff baseball around the corner. We got, we got cool football. weather around the corner. We got hockey coming up. <laughs> hey, we got man. everything. We the do, fall's Brooks. fun. Yeah, the fall is fun. I agree. It really is. It's a great time to be a sports fan. Mm-hmm. So, a great time to be a Christian, bro. You know, always great time, Brooksy. Oh, yeah. We have a lot going on at King's Chapel, too. Uh, we really do. But why don't we take a few moments and just talk a little bit about what we've learned and what... I'd love to know, Brooks, what has God done in your life as you've processed, you know, Richard's uh, talk and David outing and as we have wrestled with, uh, you know, what does it mean to be in the midst of this culture war? So love to get your your insights, because I know for me personally, there's been a lot of things that God's Spirit's done in my life and a lot of eye opening uh, moments uh, through this process. So mm-hmm. how's that sound? If we could just spend a few minutes just kind of talking about that. Yeah, absolutely. I even went back and re-listen to the episode because sometimes when you're like trying to think of a question to ask him or something you know i wanted to re-listen to it just hear what he had to say uh and it was all great stuff and you know we got some feedback on the show like agree disagree and obviously some different points of view but i thought it was great starting off with like the month of repenting and kind of refreshing how he said if you're gonna go play football you wouldn't just go out there like you're gonna get hurt exactly Um, and to try and take on culture and be like okay i'm ready to go yeah and then not kind of reevaluate yourself would would not be the smartest thing to do and it'd be very difficult well it really would be difficult and you know i did too i went back and i listened as well and it's interesting brooks i i thought it was great and i thought it even got stronger the longer the episode went and Mm -hmm. i felt like the last 10 minutes or so with richard was some of the, the the high watermark for us uh, and I got to be honest, and I want to say this uh, on the corner here, is that um, there was one thing about the episode I kind of cringed about. <laughs> you, know, you know what that was? I, I think so, but go ahead. Uh, I talk too much. <laughs> it was like, oh, darn. That's you know? not what I had in mind, so no, it's not. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. okay I'm you didn't talk too much. Uh, well, I felt like I did. I felt like I uh, should have just been more quiet and let him talk more or... You know, every once in a while, I try to say something funny. You know, yeah. it just is like, uh, oh, I could throw a funny thing in here. You know, it'd be like crickets. I'm like, oh, man. The one he said motto at one point, and I like looked over out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, is he about to say, what's the motto with you? And I you think, didn't. I you think had restraint. I think it's the first time in my life that I didn't say, yeah. what's the motto with you? You're like a dog with treats on like the counter, just like staring up at it. And you, you're a good boy. You that, didn't say it. That's funny. Pavlov's dog, man. Bell ring. So anyway, you know, so he talked about, uh, you know, repenting and and kind of seeing how our culture has affected us. And, you know, Brooks, how does it not affect us? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is where you and I have grown up. And yes, uh, generationally, there's a difference 
in the way you grew up and the way I grew up. And then we think of some godly man and woman like your, your grandma and grandpa, and the difference in the world that they grew up. But here we all find ourselves. But there's one thing I think that is true that I've really opened my eyes about this is that, you know, I grew up with predominantly a Judeo-Christian ethic as, as, as the most dominant ethic of the culture around me you know um, can you explain to our listeners what exactly that means too yeah a judeo-christian ethic is basically one that comes from the bible a, a jewish christian culture that will will have a certain ethic of marriage um who should be married and a value of marriage it would have a certain ethic of life it would have a certain ethic of of uh morality and crime and, and you know what to do with crimes for example you know out of there would be like the 10 commandments uh would be embraced i mean there would be there would be a lot of things in our in our society that we just uh embrace together i, I think it was out of that keller uh one of the keller articles that we read that mm -hmm. you know when america has a common and i'm paraphrasing this when we have common values and a common story, it really unites us as a common people. Mm -hmm. But when those values change and when the story changes, we don't know our identity as our people. And so I I have felt the loss. I have felt like the the land that I love, uh, the, this this country that I grew up in, um, I don't recognize it. You know, and again, there's always been tension. There's always been you know, arguments from the left side of things and the right side of things. And there's always been a political swing one way or the other. But it's it's like I preached on David and Goliath. It's like the two sides are, are the battle lines are drawn and there's this deeper, deeper valley between the two. And there just seems to be such angry shouting on both sides. But what has emerged, Brooks, is that um, of, of this loss of of this what's called oftentimes a Judeo-Christian, you know, ethic is mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you have to start arguing things like gender. You have to ar start arguing, you know, uh, is it binary? Mm -hmm. you, then you start have to arguing is who should be married and, and uh, you know, what does a family look like? And, and things that we didn't wrestle with in years past, we now are. And so it makes... Christianity um, feel like a fish out of water. It makes Orthodox Christianity feel a bit like uh, we are, uh, you know, we're, we're not as home as we used to be. And I don't know if that's all bad. I know now that's scary, but uh, uh, I feel like we're more like the church that, that uh, you know, Luke wrote when he wrote the book of Acts. Uh, we're more like the, the church that Paul was dealing with uh, when he was writing his epistles to the, lo the local church. Because they weren't that those churches like the church in Corinth was not being incubated mm -hmm. with Judeo-Christian thoughts. It was Roman, you know, it was a Roman conquered territory. And so the reality is, is that, you know, they, they had a completely different. Yeah. And I know you handed out the book, We Cannot Be Silent uh, by Robert Moeller to your elders and some other members of the church. I've started reading it, too. And those are the topics that it tackled. It just talked about marriage has become more of like a okay, you kind of do this to do it, and it's more of a contract and like the prenups of, uh, of culture and everything as I have a puppy dog trying to attack me. So sorry. Um, but it's more become like a contract that you can break whenever you want. You know, you can breach it whenever you want instead of a covenant between two people. Exactly. And, you know, so, so marriage has greatly changed. And, and you think if that's like the building block of our culture, marriage. Um, you know, I have some really dear friends that they're celebrating 
um, I want to say their daughter's wedding in this week. It's, mm-hmm. it's the wedding week. But she doesn't identify anymore as a female. And, and uh, she's marrying a, another female who identifies as a they. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you're, you're having this, this, this wedding that's, mm-hmm. that's uh, you know, Brooks. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, I, I'm a bit older than you. But if you told me when I graduated with high school that, that some of my friends would be struggling that their daughter, who's now identified as a guy and doing everything she, she can, he can to, to try to uh, uh, be a guy. I mean, mm-hmm. it just is, it's, uh, uh, and marrying, uh, it's, it's just like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. But that's where we are. And so, again, the, the ethic... Um, uh, has changed. It, the mindset has changed. So where does Christianity fit into that? I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, the battle lines uh, are, are different in the land that we love. And, uh, and in the book, too, it kind of talks about how, you know, even people that are born with uh, not specific genders um, regarding their sex and everything, like, that's the brokenness of the world. It's not yeah. where you can choose what you want to be. It's That's because the world we live in is completely broken and shattered. It always has been. You know, it's, it's, uh, um, and I, you know, it's interesting because I think every culture probably feels like, oh, we have it the worst or whatever, you know, our, our battles are unique. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know what it was like, you know, a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago. Um, but I know that in my lifetime, that tipping point of change, I think that Moeller talks about that. And we, we talked about it with Pratt last mm-hmm. week is that, you know, the speed in which things have changed culturally, uh, the speed in which the culture war, if we are in a culture war, it seems like, you know, clearly the culture has won the war, mm-hmm. the, the, the liberal culture or the culture that wants to move away from a Judeo-Christian ethic. It seems like they've won. I mean, marriage has been redefined. Mm-hmm. The family has been redefined. Gender is being redefined. I mean, you know, it's it's a, it's, it's a different world than, than where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, which yeah. makes which has made people get married and have kids later and later, which kind of makes the population even out a little bit. Uh, yeah. It's not on that upward trajectory of what we've seen recently, and that's what's going on in Europe too. Of they're actually like declining in population. Isn't that and, interesting? And I saw like the U.S. Uh, life expectancy went down a full year over like since 2019 through COVID. I think it was down from 77 to 76, which is way lower than all the European countries, which is very interesting like they're all in the low 80s 82 83 and we're down at 76 and we're the most developed country there is yeah you know all i can think about is fast food yeah yeah that's fast (laughs) food that's that's definitely true that is is definitely you know what 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 are we doing as americans but uh, but not even the marriage and uh sex and everything it's also just how safe the world is my grandparents um they made you know make hyperbole in their stories but they say when they were kids they'd leave take their bike out and be back yeah. at like 10 o'clock and uh, you know, they yeah. didn't have cell phones. They didn't have a way to get a reach of their parents, no. but they knew the world was safer then and they could go and hang out, which sounds like an awesome world to me for yeah. someone that wants to be outside all the time. Well, and it, it did seem safer. A lot of times you didn't lock your doors, mm-hmm. you know, and you didn't uh, lock your windows or, or feel like, uh, you know, evil was, but you know, it's all evil's always been in the world, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, um, you know, there's some atro- atrocities that have happened that, um, as our dogs are getting upset <laughs> about this evil in the world, but, uh, but it really is a different world than certainly your grandparents knew. And mm-hmm. you know what we have to do, the precautions we got to do now is, is crazy. So, all right. So it certainly is a different world yes. than what your grandparents knew. And, and even what I knew, um, 
But here's my question to you, Brooks, or here's my question I'd love for those in the Casey Cornerland to think about. You know, as we as we right now are Christians trying to live out for the glory of our great God and for the good of our neighbor, our Christian faith, in the midst of the fact that maybe our culture that we are used to no longer embraces, it no longer incubates Christianity in a way that it feels safe, in a way that we were secure. I mean, growing up, Brooks, I just felt like, hey, it's fine for me to love my country and, and just know that they're going to support and embrace, you know, my values and, and uh, to be a Christian. Um, mm-hmm. But that seems to be harder and harder to do. And I wonder, I wonder what it, for, for most Christians in the U.S., um, you know, for what does it mean for us to seek the kingdom first? And, uh, you know, I think it's true for all Christian Christians, wherever they are. What does it mean, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you? What does it mean that we should be praying, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? How do we pursue the kingdom uh, uh, ahead of pursuing, you know, what the world tells us to pursue? Mm-hmm. So, Well, I like what you say of gather to scatter. It starts yeah. with the church and build that foundation there. But really the point is to go out there into culture, into the world and be a light uh, for him. So I think that's that's a great place to start. And everything that we've kind of covered and read so far in this section says, you know, the Christian attitude should look different to non-Christians. They should say it looks strange or weird or different uh, to them. So I think that's a great place to start of we gather to scatter. Well, you know, you talk about for us to be the light. And it makes me think of that, you know, I, you know light is so wonderful. It, it allows you to see light can bring warmth. But light can be blinding and, mm-hmm. you know, light can be, you know, that that when you turn the corner and the sun is at that perfect level where it's coming right through your windshield and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can't see anything because the way the sun is hitting and you, you can't wait to get your visor down to try to or get your sunglasses on or whatever. It seems like Brooks, the biggest difference is, is we're living in a time now being light is is irritating irritating mm-hmm. the world you know they're they're like flip your uh, you know, the uh, visor down you know mm-hmm. let me let me do anything i can to stop that light from coming in and so um you know that's that's to me that's the challenge is mm-hmm. that uh gather to scatter and as you go out there and scatter and be light that light is going to be it's always been offensive i love the way paul says it to some it's the aroma of life, and to some, it's the aroma of death. Mm-hmm. And right now, it seems like we're living in a time where the gospel is more the aroma of death mm-hmm. uh, to uh, to our to those around us. And again, I think it's more the aroma of death because again, we've lost that Judeo-Christian ethic. And now it's just like, oh my goodness, you know, are you crazy, you Christians? Mm-hmm. You believe that marriage should just between between a man and a woman? You believe that? you know, that your, your gender isn't fluid. You believe that, you know, God didn't make a mistake there or whatever. And so, uh, um, yeah, it's different. Well, I think you may have read this a couple of days too. It's on the Bible reading for this year, but, and Nehemiah talked about their rebuilding the walls to Jerusalem mm-hmm. and how, when they found out about it, they were mocking them and making fun of them and they were going to go attack it. So they had to have half the workers work on the wall and half of them with spears and bows to make sure they didn't get attacked. And that's kind of how I feel right now is a good representation of what's going on right now. I, I love that image and I, you're right. I'm exactly in the same spot. Golly Brooks, I love you for that. <laughs> And, you know, in Nehemiah, there's two bad guys. There's Sanballat and Tobiah. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, 
they try everything they can to stop <laughs> the construction. You know, whether it's it's verbal abuse or let us join you. I mean, they are. And you're right. The image there of, hey, we got to keep doing the Lord's work, keep building the wall. We got to keep doing that. Yet at the same time, you know, uh, we got to have a, a, a one hand uh, ready to go on battle and one hand keep it up the work. That's a great point. Yeah, it says, uh, hear us, O our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight, for they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height, for the people worked with all their heart. And yeah. that's the kind of courage that they had. And yeah. you know, when you think about what we have to go through, it's just like, okay, it's mean tweets at us or right. know, maybe people making fun of us at work. It's nothing what these people had to do. They had to have spears and bows to protect themselves. And, you know, for them to build a wall, it was to build an identity of God's people and it was to build a security. And that's what they wanted to do. But interesting what you said, they built it to half that height. I mean, they, they realized that some of the glory that they had known wasn't there yet. They were building in this in-between where I'm doing work for the Lord, but it doesn't always look glorious. It doesn't look, you know, how does this work? I feel like that's exactly where we are. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a different part. It was Ezra. I love it in Ezra, which is a very similar, it's like the sister book to Nehemiah. Ezra is building the temple. Nehemiah at the time is building the wall. But when they put the foundation of the temple down, the people all came together and some were crying and some were rejoicing. They couldn't tell, mm -hmm. you know, the cry. Are they, are they crying or are they rejoicing? And the answer was yes, because some people remembered the former glory and they were crying saying, mm -hmm. oh man, it's not what it used to be. And some people are just seeing, oh my goodness, here we go. We've built the foundation. Let's go. And I, that's to me, and this is a Casey Cornerland. This is a really important theological distinction that we as Christians need to believe no matter what culture war we live in, is we live in this now and not yet. And, and even more so than Nehemiah. Uh, and what I mean by that is, you know, right now the kingdom of God has come. It's come in a greater way than it did back then in Nehemiah. The Messiah has come, but it's not yet fully here. And so we too are battling like, like, you know, with, with our full armor of God on, we are, we too are to be vigilant of the enemy around us. Um, and we too have like part of the wall completed, but mm -hmm. it's, it's not full, you know, and it feels always incomplete and, mm -hmm. and we always long for the glory to come. And so. backing up back to verse one of that, um, when Sam Ballot heard that we were building the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jew, the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they were? Mm. Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they are building, if even a fox climbed up on it, It'll he would break up. down their wall of stones. Yeah. And so that's like, they're just completely mocking their they're work. Completely like, oh, mocking. look at these idiots. They're rebuilding yeah. wall with like little pebbles and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'll never get it. And, you know, just a little fox will jump on there and destroy it. And, uh, yeah. So I, I call him Sambalot. I don't know. Sambalot. 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 Yeah. yeah no, uh, and, you know, and, my pronunciation isn't great. Oh, mine isn't either. <laughs> I have no idea. And Tobiah. I mean, those those two. And, you know, we have the Sambalots and Tobias around us that will mock us. Mm -hmm. But we have the chance of doing the Lord's work. How glorious and how glorious that we could shine for Christ in the midst of this dark generation. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's, a, that's a great 
privilege. When you were telling the Ezra story, how people were crying and rejoicing, they couldn't tell the difference. It reminded me when the Cubs went on their World Series run in 2016, where old uh, one of our kid that went to Orangewood, Jake Fugit, his grandpa was in his 80s. He was at the last World Series game they were in in the oh 1940s. Yeah. And when they went to the World Series, he was watching on TV. He started crying. Yeah. But guys like me who hadn't lived all that pain, we were rejoicing. Like yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. But we were both rejoicing in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's what I thought of when you said that. Exactly, exactly right. But, you know, for Christians, our, our hope is still to come. But there is a real hope today, a real joy of we are... Right now, you know, we are trying to advance the kingdom and live for him, So, mm-hmm. which, which is fantastic. Yep. But let's go back just for a minute. You know, we have to, the tension I felt with Richard Pratt's uh, great exhortation about us repenting and maybe spending a month with a R word of repentance, um, you know, and how culture has affected us. I mean, how we see the world through the lens of the American dream as well as, as Christians, you know, our, our Christian orthodoxy. And it's almost like, yeah, how do I strip those layers back? I mean, how do I know exactly what to repent of? I've been Mm -hmm. so indoctrinated. This is the air I breathe. Mm -hmm. I've only been an American. I've only lived in this time time frame, you know, and I've and I know that I've been affected by the values of my culture. And many of them I do value, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we talk about retirement. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a it's a value. But Mm -hmm. the question I mean, I was really hit with it you know am i living for as richard said maintaining a certain level of living once you retire or am i really investing in the kingdom and that that was to me was was really uh convicting Mm -hmm. and and, uh i think that so much of my life is consumed with jeff you know it's it's uh it's my comfort it's my retirement it's my bank account it's uh you know how am i going to pay my bills uh it's it's you know, it's, uh, it's, it's consuming. And mm-hmm. uh, how do you get by that? It's interesting. I, I hear, as I say that to you, there's language. When I was a, a ordained as a pastor, um, and I, I remember some of the verbiage of my ordination. It says, hey, you're going to be remunerated or compensated uh, t- to this amount so that you will be set free from worldly, uh, I gosh, I wish I could remember from worldly concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to try to take away your worldly concerns. We're going to try to take away the fact that, hey, you're going to have a place to stay and you're going to be able to eat. We want you to focus on the ministry and on the word. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to take care of you. We promise to do this. But it's it's like, when do those worldly concerns really be met that that's enough? That mm-hmm. when I could say, you know what? Got enough. I'm okay. Let me really make sure that I'm investing in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um and that's 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 convicting, Brooks. Yep. Yeah. You even said before we were kind of walking into a, a Richard's office, like he's going to break down anything you think before this and like make you rethink it. Um, yeah. He'll he'll tackle it, and you'll have to build back that wall. And that's exactly what he did with some of the things he said. And you know, let's think of Nehemiah. I mean, it's building the wall. You know, you want to build the wall with the best rocks that you can. I mean, mm-hmm. you want it to be as strong as you can. And if you're building it with you know paper mache mm-hmm. um that should be knocked down you mm-hmm. know and where in our lives and i think that goes back to the repentance you know i think it's asking the holy spirit you know where where am i building my life in ways that are not kingdom and you know golly there's gonna be so many i, I want to say we are so wrapped around the axle of you know our culture 
that it's hard to see where it's not cultural infected and where it's where it is. You know, mm-hmm. a, that that dividing line is not going to be as clear. My point is, it's affected everything about mm-hmm. the way I see and the way I live. And uh, yeah, and I think that repentance is key. But man, yeah, because even I think it was in the following chapters and Nehemiah after that, it talked about how they worked as from as soon as the sun came up until the sun went down that day. So let's call it twelve hours. 12-hour work days, well, you know, we're working eight-hour days, we're checking our phone, we're infiltrated with TikTok and sports and, you know, whatever other interests, you know. Over time, that gets into your system. Um, it, it and, does. And it'll infiltrate you. Well, I love the fact that you brought up Nehemiah. Man, that's fantastic. But you know what else I love? I love the fact that they were assigned certain parts of the wall mm-hmm. and that they, they they were written down by name. Like, hey, you know, Brooks and, uh, you know, you guys, the Robinson had this part. The Jakes's had this part. You guys, we we're working side by side. Mm-hmm. We were doing it together. You know, when you're working together, there's a great sense of camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, I, I had the privilege of being a, a part of a, a church project that built a house. I mm-hmm. mean, when the whole church was building a house in 30 days for someone in need. Man, I'm telling you, it was all hands on deck. And mm-hmm. it was, there was such energy and joy in doing that. And I and I think the enemy wants to separate Christians, wants to separate us. Like, hey, your work at, at Baseball Cloud doesn't have any connection to what I'm doing over here on the wall. You know, it's, it's almost like we can't see that your kingdom work Monday through Friday has anything to do with what we're doing on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And if you can't see that, it feels so... It's, it's, it's pointless kingdom wise. And, yep. uh, and I know that when you have a wall being built and you're shoulder to shoulder with your neighbor and you're doing it, there's some energy that comes, but that's what I think eventually the church is going to have to realize Hey, we gather to scatter. And mm-hmm. as you scatter, we're building, you know, and, and we're advancing and, and, uh, we might not be able to see each other, but just that, that's the call for, for us to make sure that we are shoulder to shoulder in some sort of way, advancing the kingdom. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, we can recap uh, last week's sermon, if you'd like, and get into some KC updates. All right, fantastic. What you meant to say. Um, yeah. Hey, by the way, I got to say one more shout out. I mean, I love that Nehemiah, man. That was that was fantastic. Nehemiah's so, been great. It was good. Great. Good for you. Proud of you for reading through, my man. Um, so, okay. You know, David and Goliath, how do you not preach on David and Goliath? One of the most famous stories. I mean, literally a lot of things you hear of David Goliath stories are named after that story. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be so arrogant in saying, and I actually, I, I, I changed the language a little bit saying, well, there's a possibility that maybe you've understood this story mm-hmm. improperly, or mm-hmm. maybe you... Uh, yeah, you know, maybe you even... You guys have had it all wrong this whole time. Yeah, you guys are stupid. <laughs> Let's go. I'm the only one who's going to tell you the truth, but no. Um, but, you know, most people see David and Goliath and they'll say, hey, you know, you're going to have some giants in your life. You can defeat them. You mm-hmm. you are able, you know, the strength within or even the strength above is going to give you the ability to defeat your, your the giants in your life. Now, we know that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we know that there's a reality and a truth to that statement. But if the point of that story is for us to look at that and say that we have the capacity in us or even connected to God to defeat our giants, I think it completely misses the point of the story is that God is going to have a one of his own choosing who represents his people in battle to defeat his and our enemies. I mean, and it so clearly points to Jesus. And I thought about this this morning, Brooks, um, of what I wanted to say. I come alive when preaching, when I can connect it to Jesus. 
And I think that there's a lot better preachers than me and a lot of guys who, who preach in ways that are different than I do. But for me, the greatest joy in preaching and the greatest, probably what I try to do more than anything is how does this point to Jesus? And maybe sometimes I run there too quickly and maybe sometimes I camp there too long. I don't know. But, um, but that's where I feel God's joy and privilege is, you know, where does this look to Jesus? And you think of David. I mean, David who fought as a shepherd and David who couldn't use the, the weapons of the day. Saul's armor didn't fit. You know, he's <laughs> like, what the heck? You know, I got to go out there with my staff as, as Goliath says, you're coming to me with sticks. I mean, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, and he's going to take a five smooth stones and a sling and, and, and a shepherd's pouch. He had a fight with what he had, uh, but he fought in the name of the Lord. And I love the fact that there was no sword in David's hand. I mean, that's going into the battle with, it's completely backwards. I mean, who goes into a battle without a sword in the hand? You know, you know, they say you don't show up for a, a gunfight with a sword. Well, you show up for a sword fight with a sword, right? Mm -hmm. And he, he doesn't have it. Um, and yet he de defeats his enemy without a sword in his hand. And if you can't think of how Jesus defeated uh, gods and our enemies without a sword in his hand. And, mm -hmm. you know, there was a phrase I felt like God's spirit gave me is like, he didn't f f fight with a sword in his hand. He fought with nails in his hands. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those ones that I got to be honest. It's like, Ooh, I like that. You know? <laughs> Let's write that down. <laughs> like, oh, that, 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 that dog will hunt right there, you know? And so, uh, you know, and I really, I mean, I just like, Oh man, that, that's it. But when you can see Jesus as the one who cut off the head of our enemies, I mean, he cut off, the head of sin and death without and, and he used their sword so to speak he used the cross what what satan and evil thought was destroying the son of god he was destroying them mm -hmm. uh it's what colossians 3 he just triumphed he, he made a mockery of, of what they did and david made a mockery of mm -hmm. goliath you know hey you're you're coming to me in the name of your gods i'm coming in the name of the god of the living armies i'm coming I'm going to come in in God's name. So anyway, what I meant to say is the story is about how God rescues us and how he defeats our enemies and rejoice in that. When the stories point back to Jesus, they start to make more sense and they become more than just um, Bible stories in that sense. Exactly. It's almost like they get plugged in. You mm -hmm. know, it's almost like a light bright. You know, you mm -hmm. can put all the things in to create something, but until it gets plugged in and you can't, it doesn't light up. I mean, mm -hmm. Light bright. That's a pretty old. Uh, yeah. I, I said, yeah, mm -hmm, to that, but I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you have no idea? No idea. No idea. Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, maybe it was in Stranger Things or whatever, but light bright was a, uh, was this, was this thing that was probably the seventies. Oh my goodness. Where you plug it in and it, and you put this black piece of paper over, uh, uh, like the front of it. And then you have these pegs that you put in and the pegs light up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and I so, know what those are. Yeah, and so, um, so light bright. You know, if it's unplugged, you can't see it. But yep. once you plug it in, yeah, it's they beautiful. did have that in Stranger Things. Okay, it was Stranger <laughs> Things. So you see, that's you sad. It. I have to it. make the reference to you know. Anyway, but light bright was cool. All right, let's get past light bright. So that was that was that. Um, that's what I what I really meant to say. And uh, um, you know, loved loved preaching on that and. This week, this week's going to be a, another pretty strong pivot. We're going to talk about David uh, and his friendship with Jonathan. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's a unique friendship because Jonathan is really the heir to the throne and David's going to get it. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't you think that'd be a rivalry? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't think you think that that, that would be this natural animosity that, you know, you got somebody who's the heir apparent and yet 
you got this rising stud that's going to take your job. Mm-hmm. And, you know, don't you want to hate them? And, 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 and yet they had an amazing friendship. And uh, what I love about it is even uh, Jonathan knew, man, he's he's a better man than me for the job. <laughs> and uh, we're going to see that. So that's coming up with a friendship. Uh, and again, I, I'll, I'll try to connect the dots to Jesus. And I'll leave it there. I think there's a way to connect it. So come and listen and uh, see how... Jonathan's friendship with David connects our friendship with Jesus. So, the life of David's pretty incredible. It is incredible. And so, some highs and lows that are incredible. Yes, definitely. Uh, any KC updates for us? Well, I think that we've launched about everything we can yeah. launch. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we New have, start time, creeds and coffee. Exactly. KC, KC and the AM. AM. I mean, it's it's a women's ministry. And so, uh, you know, just a reminder that uh, Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. we do have creeds and coffee. Thanks for coming, Brooks. Uh, you know, we'll, we're studying the Heidelberg Catechism. Great opportunity. I heard such great things about Casey in the a.m. I'm really excited about Charlie Woodward and leading uh, the Foundations class and how well that's going. We had a fantastic uh, Casey family connection of new members. We had 12 folks at our house for dinner, which was fantastic. Just love that. And so... A lot of things. And so more than anything, just jump in and get plugged in. We're probably the only other update is we're going to have a food drive starting in October. And so get ready to start bringing some supplies to help those in need. We're partnering with the Sharing Center and real excited about that. Awesome stuff coming this fall. Good stuff, Brooksy boy. <laughs> hey, and by the way, we have a uh, we have a guest speaker coming up um, that uh, where we were really trying to get this month, but we have a special guest coming up in October. So uh, really excited about that. One of the leading Christian pastors uh, in his denomination and in our community. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. So Culture wars may spill over into yeah, October. It might spill over. You know, <laughs> but That's okay. It's a big topic. I think we'll probably be facing them our entire life. Yes, so definitely. It's just definitely. so true. All right, Brooks. Always a pleasure, my brother. See you guys Sunday.